On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got to sit down with Melody Reynolds from Elite Beauty. We had an awesome conversation all around how she grew her brand from 2014 till now. We talked about uh, her sales team and the size of her sales team, uh, how she uh, splits up the different areas that her sales team is in. Uh, we talked about the balance between direct consumer and wholesale and all of those things. Transparency, really great conversation, guys. You are not going to want to miss this one. If you are a mid seven figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, how about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post-iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now, on to today's episode. Someone on my team thought I either had superpowers or woke up at 5 a.m. to crunch client numbers. Turns out, I just used Triple Whale. Yeah, that's what one of their customers said, and he may be onto something. No one has to know the secret weapon to your success is Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform, built to accurately pinpoint your ad spend across networks, making you look like the smartest person in the room. Their robust app helps you clarify your campaign's performance so you can run smarter, faster, more effective ad spends in real time and reap the rewards. Are you a genius? Only one way to find out. Guys, want to take Triple Whale for a spin? Stop by triplewhale.com upgrowth and use promo code upgrowth for 15% off. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Melody Reynolds from Elite Beauty. Melody, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Hey, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's great to have a, a fellow British Columbian on here. Not even just fellow Canadian guys. Like I'm talking like we're if I could take a plane from where I am, uh, not I, I would say car, except that there's water in between us. Uh, we, you know, it'd be like a like five minute plane ride or something or 10 minute, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's like 17 minutes round trip. It's oh, great. is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Melody, for people who don't know anything about you or anything about Elite Beauty, tell us just a little bit about who you are and then what you guys do. Absolutely. So I've been in the beauty industry for over 20 years. Wow. I know I look great um, for those of you who know what I look like. And I decided back in 2010 that there was a lot of problems within the industry that I was the perfect person to solve. One of those issues was waste in our packaging. And, mm. you know, when you think about waste, you think about stuff you throw in the garbage. And one of the things that I became really aware of was that everything I bought ultimately ended up going in the garbage at the end yeah. of its life. Yeah. And specifically because I was in that industry, there was a lot of waste around all the various products that I was using, not only on myself personally, but also in my kit as a makeup artist. Hmm. And so I decided to create a brand that had sustainable packaging. And we launched in 2014 as a digitally native brand. 
And we've grown since then for the past seven years. We have 250 partners worldwide. We're in five countries, um, but we still have a very strong e-commerce presence and we ship all over the map. Awesome. Awesome. Where do you guys sit in the market? I just, for people who are listening to this, I just want to kind of see where exactly you're fitting comparatively to, to other brands. Mm-hmm. So in the beauty industry, there's sort of, you know, prestige, mastige, luxury, you know, there's all these various kind of buzzwords, but really where we sit is we're not the brand that you're going to find at your local drugstore. It's, it's more elevated than that. Um, but we're also not, you know, owned by Louis Vuitton. So we're not mm. in Bergdorf Goodman. So we sit right in the middle. Um, and the way that I really positioned us in terms of price as well as marketing um, was to focus on a sustainable product that was affordable for as many people as possible. Hmm. This is really coming from my experience as a very young person. I grew up in the 80s when you know waste was becoming a thing that people started to talk about. I remember when we got recycling in my town and I was so excited, hmm. but I remember talking to my mom about it and her being like, what, I have to wash my garbage? That's crazy. Yeah. And so I, I, right? And so I grew up with this as just a normal thing. And it was really important to me to create a brand that was accessible to everyone because Mm. on top of of the idea of waste, it was also about eating organic foods and, you know, buying things that were better so you could last. Um, But not everyone can afford that. And so, you know, with price as a consideration for our customer, I priced it in a way that felt really comfortable for as big of our uh, section of our demographic as we could. So it's really right in the middle. So when you're coming up with pricing like that, how do you balance the need to, you know, for for proper unit economics alongside of being able to price to be in the proper category without sacrificing quality? That's a really good question. (laughs) When it comes to creating a product that's more sustainable, you know, whether it be the supply chain and transparency there, whether it be the, the packaging and the actual creation and engineering of that packaging, we've always been really highly attuned to detail. Hmm. You know, details are not my strong suit, I'm going to admit. I'm very much a big picture thinker, but I have a really, really great group of people around me that are always looking at all of the details and ultimately what each of those details costs. And so we always want to make the choice that's better for the consumer, for the planet, um, but not at the risk of pricing ourselves out of the market that we've actually Hmm. created. Mm -hmm. And so it is a very delicate balance. Over the years, I think we've had to post, mm, it's been seven years and I think we've done four price increases. Okay. Each of those times was basically in response to a new innovation, a new technology, something that we could really justify to our customers. This is the thing that I've discovered. People really like it when you take them on the journey. And I, I think what's important to recognize is that we're all consumers. So I own a brand that sells a product that people buy, but I'm also a person that buys things. Yes. And so what I really like when I'm supporting a brand is I want to know who they are and what they stand for. And when I buy that thing that they make, their widget, whatever it is, you know, I buy that widget, I'm giving you money, you sell me a widget. For me, that feels like now we've created a partnership. That feels Mm. like I'm supporting you to make your widgets and I'm supporting you to make your widgets because they're better. And so I really keep that in mind. And have our customers all feel like they're really a part of what we're doing. And a lot of that is having a conversation. It's, it's not telling them why we're doing things. It's showing them why we're doing them. Mm. And then people feel very attached to 
us as a brand, but then also our understanding about changes that we need to make, especially when it comes to price. Because you don't ever want anyone to feel like they're paying more than they should for your mm. item. But you need them to understand that sometimes we need to increase the price. And this is why. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you for, for walking me through that. Let's talk uh, transparency. Um, how transparent are you uh, when it when it comes to your supply chain and when it comes to all of all of those things? And how like, is there a line where too much transparency is a bad thing? I don't think so, as long as there's context. I think that that is something that is so incredibly important to understand is the people that you're speaking to aren't in your industry. They don't know who you are and they don't yeah. know all, all the ins and outs of how things work. Yeah. Um, it's the same way that a lot of people don't really know how business works. So if you show someone, someone, you know, your balance sheet, they're not going to understand what that means. So yeah. if I show or even someone your my... gross sales, right? Like <laughs> exactly. it's like even employees think like, Oh, that's what you made. It's like, Whoa, oh, Whoa, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh I see knew. that number. So that means you have that much money in your pocket. It's like I'm carrying around a sack with a dollar sign on it or something. Yeah. It's very funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, and so that's the thing about supply chain. If I just show you my supply chain without context, that's going to be really difficult to understand. Mm. And I find that I can't speak for other industries, but I can speak for my industry. And I know that in our industry, that is what a lot of companies do. Look at me. I'm so transparent. Here it yeah. is. But without context, you're not actually showing people what it is. And so in educating them on why you've made the choices you've made and why mm. this choice is better than this choice. Yeah. And with transparency, the thing that I always say is that, you know, when we are trying to show people who we are, you can't just like open up your coat. <laughs> you, you have to educate them on why you're telling them. And transparency right now, unfortunately, is a marketing ploy. So yeah. because consumers yeah. are demanding more transparency from the brands and the products that they support, then companies are saying, of course, look at how transparent we are. Here's a decision we've made. Yeah. But the, what they're not showing you is all the decisions that led up to that decision and actually why they're doing it. And mm. so, you know, transparency is a buzzword. I think it's really important to understand what that means and how we take responsibility within that transparency. Mm. So, you know, oh, we're, we're a company that chooses fair trade. But what does that mean? What yeah. did you have to give up to be able to do that? And totally. that's what we do. And like, yeah, we choose fair trade. But if fair trade certified means that someone else, you know, leads not a very nice life, because that actually is what happens, right? Mm. Farmers, they need to spend a lot of money to get a fair trade certification when actually the farm down the road is using fair trade practices, but they don't have that certification and they're yeah. a better choice. So it's all about choices. And I think, you know, transparency being all about choices, but then also providing the context and education around it is so important. Absolutely. I'm thinking in the apparel industry, like we, we own a few different apparel brands and uh, in the apparel industry, one huge thing is using recycled fabric, right? Um, the, the issue or using, you know, recycled water bottles or, or whatever. The issue is that a lot of times that's actually worse and continues on the consumer culture when if you just made higher quality clothing that people could actually pass on you know down the line and be able to sell and it's like stuff that actually lasts that would be so much better for the for the planet and for the environment and yet consumers are fed a certain a certain way right of of how things are and so you're, you're totally right you have to go through and and educate people as to why you are making these decisions um mm -hmm. it's a tough road to be 
actually transparent and not just markety transparent um, is very difficult. It is. And it's because you have to admit when you're wrong. Mm. You know, you have to admit, oh, I was wrong about this. Um, and now we're, we're changing. I yeah. was wrong about this. And now we're going to do something different. Or not just admitting you're wrong, but admitting you might not be right. So saying, here's a choice I've made. I think it's right, but it might only be right now. And, and so it's opening yourself up and actually opening your business up to being flawed. But I think that from a marketing perspective, that actually is a really great tactic because humans love to see that others are flawed just like they are. They it's do. It's part of our shared human experience. Yes. And, you know, and I do believe that that's why we've had such great brand loyalty over seven years is that it's very, it's a personal value of mine to be vulnerable. And I think that my brand's personality has taken that on as well. And people really respond to it. This month's sponsor is Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across marketing channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Go to triplewhale.com slash upgrowth and use promo code upgrowth for 15% off today. Now, back to today's episode. Mm, that's great. Melody, you know, we're in the end of June 2022. 2022 has been a really interesting year for a lot of brands. Interesting, uh, to say the least. Um, growth has been very difficult uh, for a lot of brands. You know, you guys have the, uh, I'm not going to say, we'll say luxury of being in retail as well, right? Um, and I think uh, I absolutely am obsessed with brands being in retail. I don't like the idea of straight D2C brands. I don't think that that's you know, anytime we're looking to go buy companies, that is, n we're never looking for companies that are straight D2C because I just don't, I don't like that idea of, of having all of your eggs in one basket. 2022, what's working for growth for you guys? Mm. That's such a great question because it's so incredibly different this year than it ever has been. I agree. And I also agree with your, your comments about being, you know, completely um, e-commerce based or D2C. I think that for me, I come from the retail world. When I started out my career, I was actually working in salons and spas and boutiques and places where people come in and they have a physical experience mm. to purchase their products. Yeah. And that to me is so sacred and so special that I really wanted to make sure that people could physically get their hands on our products. Yeah. And so we've always supported smaller businesses. Um, I think that that's an important thing as well. You know, we support small local businesses to help make their businesses better and they in turn make our business better. Yeah. But over the course of the past two years, a lot of our businesses that we partnered with had to close their doors. Mm. They had to close their doors for a month or six months or for some of them, unfortunately, even permanently. Yeah. And the key thing for us as a brand to continue growing was support. So whether it be the partners that are selling our product in their online or sorry, their, their brick and mortar stores or the customers that we are supporting with our online store, it was all about letting them know that we are here. Yes, we have a product that we want you to buy. You may not be ready to buy it right now. And that's okay. That's never been our number one. You know, I'm very famously the person who owns a makeup company that doesn't want you to buy makeup because I think you know, if you don't need it, then you shouldn't buy it. Yeah. But it's this idea of, well, our partners had to shut their doors. They weren't buying any product from us. And so yes. we had a choice. We could either lay off our entire sales team and just kind of maintain the part of that business, 
or we could create a new plan for how we could support the partners even while they weren't doing business with us. Mm. And that's ultimately what we did. And I will say forever that it was the best decision. You know, we, we spent a lot of time strategizing as a team on how we could support people when they didn't feel like being supported because they felt bad because their store was closed, when the whole world, you know, was feeling a certain way because of the pandemic. And it really has paid off because not only did we keep most of our retailers who were fortunate enough to be able to weather the storm and make it through, but those retailers are now so loyal to us that it has allowed us to continue growing. Mm. And I think that, you know, although at the time I remember a friend of mine, you know, praising our altruism, she's like, oh, you guys are so great. And I'm like, it's not about being great. This, this is a business decision. You know, it's the same thing that I say about sustainability. Yes, it's really important for the planet, but it's a business driver. This totally. isn't just a philosophy we use because we're really good and nice people. Yeah. Now, that being said, I am a really good and nice person. I can tell. <laughs> but but all of the decisions we make are so we can survive and thrive in business. Yeah. And so yeah. support absolutely is how we were able to maintain that. And a big part of the support was not only utilizing our online tools when we needed to, but recognizing when it was time to do in-person things again. Mm. And so we were really savvy about, you know, when is it safe to do this? Okay, great. You now are going to go and visit this person and you can have a coffee. You can have a socially distanced, you know, conversation. But it was about letting people know, like, we're here. And again, we're not here to sell you products. We're here to make your business better. And yeah. here's all the ideas that will help you do that. Melody, I want to go back to something you were talking about before with the, your sales team. Um, is this an, uh, an in-house sales team or is this an outsourced like rep type of team? Mm-hmm. So it was a really fun day about six years ago. I was sitting in my very first office and the phone rang and the phone never rang. So I was really confused about why the phone was ringing and I picked it up um, and it was a person from Ottawa which, you know, for your listeners is on the other side of Canada. Yes, yes. And um, it was a person who said, you don't know me, uh, but I think your brand is great. And I want to be a sales rep for you. And I said, okay, uh, sure. <laughs> and I actually hired her. Uh, I brought her on board as, as one of our sales reps. And then from there, we grew to a team of five we are now a team of four. We actually did um, lose one person over the okay. course of the last year. But we have kept our sales reps as external um, self-employed contractors. And the reason that we did that is when we thought about bringing people in-house, we really did a deep consultation with, with these individuals. And for them, they felt like being um, in-house would limit them. What they really like about being external salespeople is that they have the freedom to do anything and go anywhere and work when they want to, how they want to. Mm. And so we've kept it that way. And, and do they work exclusively really nice. for you or do they work mm. with other brands as well? One of them works with another brand and the rest of them just work for us. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And we, I really think it's a great arrangement. Um, as much as I would love to have a fully, like a fully functional sales team in-house for a company of our size, it just actually doesn't make sense. And I do really like to meet people where they're at. And so we always, you know, we have a six month contract with, with each of them that we revisit. Yeah. And every six months we say, Hey, how's it going? Does it make sense for you to come in house? Uh, if not, then we'll continue. And if it does, then we'll look at that as well. 
I've, I'm really big on flexibility within what totally. you're doing, especially over the course of the last couple of years, you know, rather than keeping things rigid, it's let's see how things go and check it out in three months. Do you, do they each have a territory or certain stores that they deal with? How, how does that work with a four person sales team? Yeah, we, we split it up by geographical territory, honestly, just because I wasn't feeling particularly creative and <laughs> I didn't know if there was another way to do it. And so it's based on where they live and where they decided they wanted to take care of. And so we just kind of pulled up a map of, of Canada and the U.S., drew some lines and said, do you like this? Great. Um, again, you know, when, when we do seem to get a really big concentration of partners in one area, we will tend to reshuffle things. But it, it, again, it's just kind of rolling with the punches and seeing what's what's working and what's not. Awesome. Awesome. That's really great. Thanks for walking me through that. Um, I think that a lot of people are realizing that, um, you know, getting into retail is an absolute must for for to be a, to be a, a brand, right? A brand that's going to actually stand the test of time. Um, I believe that retail is really has to be a part of that. Um, Melody, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know if it's a secret because I am a bit of a blabbermouth, but (laughs) I think that the secret to scaling any business is really investing in your people. The key thing for me is I started out as a single person, you know, running my business out of my basement and we grew to a team of 25 over the course of the pandemic. And wow investing in the people that are on your team is the most important thing because you as an individual only know what you know. And when you surround yourself with people that are, you know, better looking and smarter than you, then you empower them to make decisions to help you grow your company. But to do that, you have to invest in their own personal growth. Mm. It's something that I firmly believe in. And so I would say that that is probably a secret to scaling. Absolutely. And letting them do their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Melody, thank you. I've got three more questions for you. I hope that you are ready. I am. First question, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Oh, Asana, all the way. Love the to-do list and I love ticking things off. Yes, I find Asana is awesome for achievers. You know, it's just like, awesome. Okay, good. I can check things off here. (laughs) I love that you get a unicorn when you check enough things off. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Today was a good day. Uh, awesome. Uh, Asana, absolutely love it. Uh, we're Monday users over here, but uh, nice. Asana was on our road our, our roadmap at one point. Honestly, I think it's just a personality thing. I think that, totally. that between those two tools, it's like, you know, which which do you like? <laughs> um, second question for you, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Oh, um, I really love the Prof G podcast. Okay. It's just, it's a really great, you know, pseudo-political brainiac kind of show where they just talk about lots of different topics. Like the most recent one I listened to was about Elon Musk acquiring Twitter. Oh, okay, cool. It was it was really well done. Cool. That's awesome. And guys, remember we put all of these recommendations in the show notes. So please go and check the show notes out after this episode. Last question for you, Melody. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them, uh, they have to be alive and it can't be Elon Musk. Who would it be? <laughs> Everyone's it answer be, is Elon. That's their first. Oh, really? So, oh, it would yeah. be Elon Musk. Um, it would probably be the founder of Nix. Her name is Joanna, mm. and I really admire her and how she has built her business. 
she also closed her last fundraising round while pregnant and then delivered her so baby pumped. shortly after. And yeah. I had a baby a couple of years ago. So I, I really related to that and, and would love to sit down and have lunch with her. Uh, if you do, you let me know too, because uh, I think myself and my wife would be super interested in that conversation. I will. And I'm Canadian. Towards it. Canadian. Yes. So come on. Yeah, absolutely. All, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys know, like mo- most of the people listening to this are Amer- Americans. We have this like Canadian pride, you know, like I, I really think that like most of the greatest comedians of all time have all come from Canada. Uh, great business people out of Canada. I just there's just something, guys, you know, we're we're not just your 52nd state or whatever. 51st state. <laughs> I agree. We're awesome. Go Canada. <laughs> Melody, thank you so much for chatting. Uh, awesome conversation. I think people are going to get a lot out of this. How can they connect with you? And then also where can they learn more about a late beauty? Amazing. Um, yeah, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you again so much. Of course. You can connect with me. I'm on Instagram at Melody Elated. And you can connect with my business also on Instagram at Elate Cosmetics or on our website, which is elatebeauty.com. Or if you happen to have a partner in your town or close by, please go and visit your partner and get your hands on some of our products in real life. Cool. Awesome. Thank you, Melody. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.